coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida. You're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We are a weekly podcast with new episodes coming out every Tuesday afternoon, which you can listen to whenever you feel like it, because it's a podcast, and hopefully you'll subscribe and give us a good review on iTunes or wherever you like to listen. Today is National Nacho Day, so that will be our topic of conversation. And our guest today is Shannon O'Malley, the co-owner of Brick Street Farms. Brick Street Farms is an indoor hydroponic farm that's environmentally friendly and grows greens that are so amazing that restaurants actually list them by name, by naming their salads Brick Street Farms. We will talk about that, as well as their retail for the general public, their club, and upcoming Brick Street Farm dinner events. After that, we'll play our music segment, open our lunchbox, share our tip of the week, and have a gluten-free wrap-up. All of that is coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. So grab a snack, pour a drink, and relax while we serve up the show. Been to Anata lately or at all? My best friend was just recently in town and I took her to all of my favorite places and she proclaimed Anata as her absolute favorite. They're known for their great wines and cheese and charcuterie, but I am in lust with the entrees and specials Chef Josh dreams up. I finally got to try the short rib bolognese and it was fantastic. The M3, which is a mushroom and truffle risotto, is nothing short of sensual. Next time, I want to try the charred octopus arrabbiata pasta. We have had the octopus appetizer, and it's amazing, but this pasta sounds nice and spicy, just like I like it. You really must go to Anata. Anata Restaurant and Wine Bar is located at 300 Beach Drive in downtown St. Petersburg. They open every day at 4 p.m. You really must go to Anata. So as Lori said earlier, today is National Nachos Day, so we're talking about nachos, and that's probably actually the only reason why, because Lori is not even a big fan of nachos. No, not really. I hardly ever eat them. I don't... (laughs) Well, what's also kind of uh, silly is that the typical way that nachos are served at like 99% of places, I'm not a fan of either. I don't like the big... Like, just just like dump a bucket of chips and then dump a bucket of cheese and and all this other stuff. And it's like a big mess. You might as well just eat like a bowl of chili with your bare hands. Yeah. That's what it feels like to me. It's a big sloppy mess. Right. And, and but the first nachos I ever had were very different. They were like, they were actually like a canopy. So you have a chip. You can pick up one single chip. And on that single chip is melted cheese and a pickled jalapeno. And that was in New York City, correct? Absolute favorite ones, yes, are from El Rio Grande in New York City, Midtown Manhattan, on 3rd and 38th, with an entrance on 37th as well. But anyway, they have this... Gee, he hasn't been there much. 
the steak nachos, they actually take like a good, I, I don't know what the cut is, but it's a good quality piece of steak, medium rare, on top of what I've already just described with the melted cheese. And now here's the really interesting thing. That is actually the right way to do it, but nobody knows that. Like I had a conversation uh, one time with, with a friend of mine telling him, you know, here's how I like nachos. And he's like, you don't know what you're talking about. Nachos are not supposed to be like a canopy. Guess what? They are. And here's the other interesting thing. Well, it probably depends. It's kind of like authentic. It depends on what region you're from, wouldn't you say? Well, I happen to cheat and read the Wikipedia. Ah. And what's interesting is if I were to guess, if somebody said, okay, nachos, are they actually Mexican or are they Tex-Mex? Are they an American invention of something that's kind of like Mexican? They actually are Mexican. They were actually invented in Mexico by a guy named... Nachos were invented actually back in 1943 by Ignacio Nacho Anyaya. Seriously? So, the guy's name, yeah. middle name is Nacho? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, it's actually common, I guess, in Mexico or in Spanish, where somebody that has the first name Ignacio, Nacho is like a nickname. Like somebody named Joseph, you call him Joe. Ignacio, oh, so, oh, so you call the Nacho's Nacho. in parentheses from what you're reading then. Right, I exactly. Gotcha. Okay. So it was actually like his nickname for his actual name. Nacho average name. Yeah, and he, but he actually made them for Americans. So uh, here's the Wikipedia. Nachos originated in the city of Piedras Negras, Coahuila, Mexico. Excuse me if that's not pronounced correctly. Just over the border from Eagle Pass, Texas. In 1943, the wives of U.S. soldiers stationed at Fort Duncan and nearby Eagle Pass were in Piedras Negras on a shopping trip and arrived at the restaurant after it had already closed for the day. The maitre d' de hotel, Ignacio Nacho Anyaya, created a new snack for them with what little he had available in the kitchen, tortillas and cheese. Anyaya cut the tortillas into triangles, fried them, added shredded cheddar cheese, quickly heated them, added sliced pickled jalapeno peppers, and served them. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. And he, he named the dish Nachos Especiales. <laughs> and then eventually just got shortened to Nachos. That's nacho cheese. It's mine. Jeez. But of course, nachos have evolved. Yes. And a lot of uh, other ingredients have been added. Sour cream, salsa, guacamole. Sometimes uh, like black olives and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, sometimes actual chili con carne. Right. But the nachos sold at concession stands are different. They have tortilla chips that are topped with a pumpable cheese sauce. I said pumpable. <laughs> the, the cheese sauce comes in condensed form to which water or milk and pepper juice are added. What is contained in the condensed form itself is a trade secret. We could probably find out what that secret is if we asked the right people. And then another variation of nachos is dessert nachos. Ew, gross. But here's uh, one last tidbit on nacho history. Howard Cosell, the famous sports announcer, mm -hmm, right. is the one who actually made nachos a popular stadium snack. How so? On a, on a certain game, somebody just brought him, on a break, brought him some nachos, and he just loved them. He couldn't stop talking about how much he loved them on air. It's like, these <laughs> nachos are so good. Wow. And yeah, there so. it went. So we uh, asked some people what some of their favorite nachos are around town, and here's a few that we got. Several people said Taco Sun, and, and Kevin and I really enjoy Taco Sun's tacos, but that's really all we've had from there, so we can't vouch for the nachos there. But several people said that. Um, we asked this in our group. New Mex, 
and they put the hatch chilies on them. OMG. That was from Claire Brown. We also had uh, Ian Nelson, who recommended Red Mesa Cantina, especially the tuna nachos on the secret menu. I didn't even know there was a secret menu. I know. Now everybody knows. Tanner Lobel, who is one of the owners of Pacific Counter, said, I'm a little biased, but I've been loving the spicy poke nacho appetizer at Pacific Counter. I also really enjoy the Cuban nachos at the galley, which are not your traditional nachos either. And then Taco Sun for my Mexican nachos. Yeah, the Cuban nachos at uh, the galley, are, those are one of my favorites as well. It's almost like a miniature Cuban sandwich. And uh, Shelby Mastronardo actually agrees with you on that and seconded the Cuban nachos at the galley. Jason Peterson said he likes the pulled pork nachos at Urban Brew and Barbecue. And we had a couple of people say that, believe it or not, they really love the ones at Cobb Theater. <laughs> wow. That was uh, Brian Henderson and Michelle Neely, both like the ones at Cobb Theater. Interesting. Kelly McKenna said Ace High Nachos from Capital Tacos are on point. Traditional fried pork with green chilies, cilantro, onion, chihuahua cheese, lime wedge, and salsa verde. And then someone said Sea Dog, but didn't really elaborate on that one much. So apparently Sea Dogs are good. Taco Sun, Taco Sun. Apparently Taco Sun's got some really good nachos. Nueva Cantina's Tachos. Tachos are tater tots loaded with chorizo, pico de gallo, cilantro, queso, and jalapenos served with poblano cream or crema. Poblano. Now that sounds good, honey. I'd try those. That, that does sound good. I have one uh, sent in from Ed Allen. He is a podcast listener, and he is also the owner of Central Melt, right? where they specialize in really yummy gourmet grilled cheese sandwiches. They're so and good. He sa- actually sent over uh, from the Best of the Bay, quick write-up, it says, What's the ideal accompaniment to that ridiculously ooey-gooey layer of cheese pressed between two slices of fresh bread? More cheese, duh. Which is why you shouldn't pass <laughs> up on throwing in nacho cheese fries with your Central Melt sandwich order. Part of the gourmet grilled cheesery selection of sides on the 600 block. The dish is a generous pile of hand-cut taters fried twice to crispy perfection, then topped with warm nacho cheese and a shredded sharp white variety. Nice. Wow, that sounds good, too. It says you're going to need a fork. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's a good thing about it not being nachos. You can actually eat those with a fork because it's not tortilla chips, I I mean. Right, you can't eat those with a fork. Right. We have the steak nachos at Chili Verde. Catherine Shaw Goodlows likes those. TNT's Grande Loaded Nachos from the St. Pete Taco Lady. Taquitos nachos with either the chorizo or carnitas are so, so good. But I, taquitos, is that the place? Taquitos. Is the, oh, oh, okay. Taquitos is a food, but it's also the name of that place. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've just never been there, so I, wasn't, I didn't know. So there you have it. There's some great recommendations for nachos for National Nacho Day. Take your pick. Welcome back to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Our guest today is Shannon O'Malley, the co-owner of Brick Street Farms. Welcome to the show, Shannon. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Hey there. Brick Street Farms is a hydroponic indoor growing facility that produces leafy greens and herbs year-round in high-technology-based climate-controlled environments. Want to tell us a little bit more about that, Shannon? Thank you. Uh, Well, Brick Street Farms started in St. Petersburg in 2016. We started by converting recycled shipping containers into environmentally sustainable hydroponic farms. Each one of our farms grows two acres, and we're located in the Grand Central Arts District. We currently serve 
predominantly restaurants and hotels, and recently have opened up our membership and an on-site retail market. And so that membership is for the general public. Yes. How does that that work? It's for residential households. There's two options. You can either choose a six-month membership or a 12-month membership, and that's important because we actually are a year-round growing operation, so we don't have seasons. Uh, So you can choose what size membership is right for your household. Nice. And you don't have to have a membership. You can also go on certain days to just buy things whenever. Correct. Yes. We started an on-site market uh, because we found that there was a demand for local retail. So we're open on Thursdays and Saturdays for the general public to come by and try us out. What times? Thursdays 1 to 7 p.m. So you can stop by after work and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. You started off growing pretty fast. You're still growing fast. I remember, I think we came to visit you for the first time in December 2016, and we published an article in January 2017. And in the beginning of that article, it says, pretty soon, Shannon's going to go full time. And it was like a month or two later that you were. (laughs) No, I think it was a week or two later. (laughs) Yes, yes. It happened pretty fast. Yes, We, uh, We started with in October of 2016, and we started with three container farms equivalent of six acres. By early 2017, we had added a fourth farm. So we're up between eight and 10 acres. And I left my corporate job from Duke Energy and joined the farm full time. There's two things I think are really cool. One, and, and we'll get into more detail on it, is the actual product itself, the, the greens. And they, they are not your average greens. They're no, way not at all. better. But the other cool thing is, and this is something, I don't know if it's, if it's gotten into the mainstream yet. It's been talked about for years now, but I think most people don't think about it. The population keeps growing. We have more and more people to feed. But as the population grows at the same time, places to grow stuff dwindles go, go away. And then there's also the irony of some types of agriculture cause climate change and pollute. And so besides the really cool, awesome product, Mm-hmm. Brick Street. We are completely environmentally sustainable. So being indoor hydroponic, uh, we control absolutely everything about the environment that the plants grow in. And as a result of that, we do not use any chemicals or fertilizer, nor do we have any uh, carbon emissions or environmental runoff. So we are completely self-contained and uh, have zero environmental impact, unlike some other traditional farming methods. We're also able to grow a significant amount of produce in a very small space. So right now, if you total everything up, we're growing almost 10 acres in 1,200 square feet, which is pretty amazing. That's pretty cool. crazy. Yeah, we got to see one of their shipping containers being delivered, the last one. Yep. That was really, really cool. Yep, comes right off the back of a truck, huge crane, drops it in place. Uh, The cool thing about the farms is that they can literally be placed anywhere as long as you have electric and water hookup. Right. Yeah, and the water, if I remember correctly, it's, it's, sell, it's recycled within the uh, growing container, Absolutely. Right? So we are on city water, but we've added a state-of-the-art reverse osmosis water filtration system above and beyond that, so we can control every element of the water, literally. But each farm uses 5 to 10 gallons of water a day, which is minimal. It's wow. less than a dishwasher. And, yeah. wow. uh, and none of it is run off into our sewer system, so... Completely self-contained. The only water loss is through evaporation and what the plants themselves absorb. Mm-hmm. Wow. And there's some really cool technology yep. in addition to that as well. Yep. So our farms are uh, software and data-driven. 
So we take over 100 different data points every 60 seconds out of the farms. And so we're able to make growing and environmental decisions based on real-time data, watch our trends, make educated decisions Mm -hmm. and changes in the farm. So we really are as much a tech company as we are an urban farm. That's pretty cool. It's like two opposite ends of the spectrum. Yep. That's really great. So what does all this technology grow? Because we do grow indoor hydroponic, we are a bit limited in our crop selections that we are able to grow based because of how we grow. We have two different types of technology, vertical and horizontal. And what that means is that leafy green produce works the best in our technology. So we are primarily focused on 8 to 12 different varieties of lettuces, arugulas, kale, chard, all the herbs that you can think of. We also specialize in edible flowers and microgreens, which is particularly valued by chefs. Yes. What are a few of the uh, specific items? So our, I can tell you what our most popular items are. Sure. So we do a gourmet lettuce blend, which is a mixture of all of our varieties of petite baby lettuces. We also add some frisee and bitter greens in there for texture. Our baby kale is uh, very popular because uh, it doesn't have the size and thickness of the stems as well as it's very soft and tender, so it's great raw. In addition to that, our deep greens and spicy greens like dandelion greens and arugula are very popular. I have to comment on the kale. I noticed that. We were just in recently and picked up, and by the way, I'm amazed at how long, like you buy a bag of lettuce at the store in four or five days, it's gone bad in my refrigerator. Yep. But Brick Street Farms, it'll last up to two weeks, sometimes longer. Oh, it so. absolutely does. A uh, couple key reasons for that is it's harvested within eight to 12 hours of your purchase or delivery to your restaurant. In addition to that, because it's environmentally controlled, there are zero chemicals fertilizers, which means you don't have to wash it. Mm-hmm. It comes to you clean and plate ready, which prolongs the lifespan of the product. Right. And what I was going to say was that she's correct on the kale. I noticed a major, major difference. It's just softer. It's not like that hard, stiff, like you get at the grocery store. Yep. A lot of folks really appreciate that. Right. So now you primarily, when you started out, decided to focus on restaurants. So what, who are the, some of the restaurants in the area that you work with? Well, getting started as a, a pretty much a startup company, we were looking for um, large-scale commercial accounts that could purchase our product in bulk is where we started. A couple of uh, very important accounts to us are we service the Don Cesar and the Vinoy Hotels here in St. Petersburg. We also do some of our larger restaurants like Stillwater's Tavern and Bella Brava. At the same time, we really appreciate our independent restaurants. For example, New Mex, Pacific Counter, and Brick and Mortar are great supporters of ours. And Grace? Yes, Grace down in Grill. Chef Marlin has been an avid supporter from the beginning. I think they even have a whole por- one little portion of the, a shipping container dedicated to them, right? Pretty much. <laughs> uh, they are uh, very consistent, and uh, they have a Brick Street Farms salad on their menu, and Chef Marlin is great because he's always open to trying any of our products. He gets pretty creative. That's yeah, great. Something that's really cool in general with, I, I think this, well, correct me if I'm wrong, I think all of the restaurants you don't usually hear of where the stuff comes from, but when they decide to work with you and they, they call it the Brick Street, Street Farm Farms. Salad. Mm-hmm. We're so proud of that. That makes our day when, when we see the excitement and enthusiasm. I mean, how exciting can lettuce really be? <laughs> I mean, when you talk to these chefs, let me tell you, they are not, you know, 
bragging about their romaine. Once they have the opportunity to come and see who we are and the type of company that we are and the people that are behind it, they see the drastic quality difference in the greens and they hear the feedback from their customers. We hear that over and over and over again. There does generate an excitement. Mm-hmm. And it's local supporting local, which is, it is. what Safe Meat's about. Absolutely, which is why we're so thrilled to support larger entities and we love our independent restaurants and independent chefs too. Yes, that's great. So we'll take a break right there and we'll come back and talk about what's coming up in the future. Now in November, come the longer evenings when folks drop in to play bridge or stop for a snack after the movies. So keep the refrigerator stocked with Kraft's famous cheese food, Velveeta, to spread or slice for swell toasted sandwiches. Velveeta's a natural for late evening snacks, you know, because it's digestible as milk itself. These days, you really ought to be buying rich golden Velveeta in the two-pound size, so you'll have plenty for snacks and also to melt for economical meatless main dishes. Remember, smooth-melting Velveeta helps supply the protein you expect from a main dish, but the price is low. Tomorrow, get Kraft's famous Velveeta. Welcome back to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. We are here with Shannon O'Malley from Brick Street Farms. And Shannon, I think we have some stuff coming up. We do. Uh, Right now, we're really excited that we've opened up our membership again. Mm -hmm. So we are accepting uh, members. Unfortunately, due to the size of our farms, we do have to cap our membership. So right now, we're looking for about 25 to 30 new members in addition to to the families we've already got. And what's the pricing on the six-month and 12-month memberships? So two different levels. Our six-month is uh, $435, and our one-year membership is $770. And that includes pickup every week? So really, we are uh, very flexible. What that means is for the six-month membership, you're pre-buying 12 shares. Those 12 shares can be picked up at any time in that six-month period. So you can come any Thursday, any Saturday, any schedule you want, just so long as you use those pickups within that time frame. Most people go, okay, well, what is a share? So a That was sh- my next question. Yep, that's, that's <laughs> what we get next. So, you know, what do we get in that? And that's uh, five items. So we don't pre-pick the items for you. You get to choose uh, what works best for your household, for your palate. So you can pick any five uh, produce items. It ranges from herbs to greens, whatever you like. It's all prepackaged. With that, you also get 10% off all retail because we have a great uh, locally sourced pantry that we use a lot of other uh, local food purveyors. You get 10% off that, 10% off any additional items beyond your share. And we're also really excited about that because uh, starting this fall and uh, Mother Nature Dependent, we will be bringing in some collaborative farms. Great. And you're into a, a market-type setting, correct? Right. So we are working with uh, some or- local organic traditional farms to source uh, the types of produce that we aren't able to grow and we know that our members are looking for. So we'll be able to source uh, heirloom tomatoes, cucumbers, peppers, all the goodies that come in, fruits, berries as well, as season permits. And the membership discount extends to all items. Oh, that's uh, great. By our partner farms. So what are some of the items that you carry in store now? So right now, uh, our, like I said before, our most popular is the mixed baby kale. Oh, you mean, our, I mean sorry, you mean, I mean our pantry yes, items? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so we have a great relationship with the Urban Canning Company. Mm-hmm. So we source and uh, stock all of their available jams, jellies, mustards, uh, pickled varieties. We also stock St. Pete ferments. So we've got all of their delicious fermented uh, kraut varieties, their beet kvass, which is amazing. And kimchi. Kimchi, yes. It's a very popular item with them, if, if that's in your palate. And we also currently stock Serious Foodies, which is a, a local sauce and marinade dressing company that they're based out of Bradenton, but they're actually moving to St. Petersburg. Great. And I think you also have honey, if I'm correct. We do. We have our own honey line. Our hives are here in St. Petersburg. Mm -hmm. So we do a raw wildflower honey that's our own. Mm -hmm. Uh, We own and maintain those hives. We're also introducing our own organic olive oil and vinegar line that will be introduced this fall. That's great. We have a lot more shopping to do at Brick Street Farms now. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Absolutely. For the greens, people go, well, well where's the dressing? Where's the oil? So mm-hmm. we've decided we want to bring the highest quality oils and vinegars that complement the greens that we have from our farm. So we've been highly selective and taking our time to ensure highest quality products and variety of olive oils and vinegars that, that will be available to complement your greens. So what's in the future? What do we have going forth? Well, uh, over the next year, so we'll be working to increase our production primarily. Mm -hmm. So we'll be looking so that we are able to expand our restaurant accounts as well as expand our membership so we don't have to put a cap on it going forward. We look to actually expand our campus. Mm -hmm. We're, We're dubbing our campus, our headquarters, where we would actually like to build out future chef kitchen and event space. So we're working through some of the particulars at this time. And this winter, uh, we will have uh, tastings available throughout the winter with some of our collaborative uh, pantry partners. And we're looking to do a wood-fired series this winter. But we're waiting on some cold weather to come in. (laughs) Let's keep our fingers crossed on that one. (laughs) Absolutely. What you're really looking to do is like a wood-fired series, correct? Absolutely. So we've had great success and great turnout uh, working with local chefs to do farm-to-table dinners. And we're looking to try to do something a little bit different this time around. We've got a pretty large outdoor space at the farm, so we were thinking, how can we utilize this? So we've uh, had the inspiration on a recent trip to Ireland and uh, England, actually, and we experienced an entirely wood-fired dinner event at a local farm while we were there. Wow, that's great. Fascinating. And it's all outdoors? Absolutely everything from soup to nuts was entirely outdoors. So uh, every item of the dinner was either raw or flame cooked. Wow. And it was spectacular to watch uh, as it was done pretty much right in front of the table. So we were thinking, there's a lot of wood-fired inspired restaurants here, but we haven't experienced something on this scale outdoors. Right. So we have the space for it. We thought, why not try to recreate that here in St. Petersburg? Especially on those beautiful lovely chilly nights we sometimes get in the winter. Yes. So the size of the uh, Argentinian style wood-fired grill that we'll be building on site, uh, we want to take advantage of the November, December, January, you know, weather. And we'd like to make it a series introducing a different chef for each event, solely focused on a very rustic farm style wood-fired event that would include uh, seafoods as well as meats. That sounds delicious and great. <laughs> the smell was amazing when we were there. Wow. And pretty much you sell out almost every event you guys do. I... Consistently. Uh, we constantly get asked by those that, that come in and stop by the farm, when is your next event? 
And uh, really, we've just been limited by our space. So right. we've been hosting these events mostly at uh, our partner restaurants right. locations. So we thought, why not take advantage of this yard space that we've got at the farm and do something here? So we're just waiting for, for winter and to finalize some details with our chefs. Great. That sounds great. So to get the details, that we they can go to brickstreetfarms.com, right? Yep. Get details on the events coming up. I would check that right away because they sell out fast. Oh, and you do have to purchase your tickets in advance. Absolutely. They are ticketed events. We tend to keep them fairly intimate, so it'll be about a maximum of 50 uh, people per event. Mm -hmm. Great. And what's the address of your Brick Street Farms market again? We are in the Grand Central District. Uh, We are right amongst all of the breweries. We're at uh, 2001 2nd Avenue South. Wonderful. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Love it. Thank you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the St. Petersburg Foodies podcast. Our music segment is brought to you by One Step Media and Kate Reuter. One Step Media provides management, marketing, and booking service to independent artists, and Kate is a singer-songwriter herself. Our music segment showcases only local artists, and today we have with us Ant Gardino from Purple Drapes. As usual, we're going to have Ant answer the Fast Five Foodies questions. We are not only going to do the Fast Five Foodies questions, but we're actually going to do a little interview with one half of the duo of Purple Drapes, Ant Gardino. Ant, welcome to the show. Yes, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Tell us about Purple Drapes. So Purple Drapes, uh, I guess we'll start with that name because I'm sure many people are wondering. Nick and I, there's two halves. Nick and I started the group based on a hip-hop freestyling duo when we were bored. We would get writer's block. We would be in the studio trying to actually make real things happen. And I say real because what we intended as a music project. We could not move forward. What we would do is we'd break, and we would just throw on a rap beat that we downloaded, or a hip-hop beat, and then we'd just freestyle and try to clear our minds. And Nick started one of these freestyles with purple drapes, and I will, I will refrain from saying the rest of the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, some of your songs have bad words in them. Yes, they do, and I'm sorry about that to any, to any listeners and my family out there. They don't like that at all. We, we were amused by it, yeah. yeah but, we but, but we picked the song that doesn't have any bad words. Thank you. And those are the songs that we're definitely pushing. And, we, you know, we have one album on Spotify. It's an EP. It's called Bad Boy Sound. It's something that we did about a year and a half ago. And we are taking a turn now. Right. So a little bit of, of the backstory between Nick and I. When I was 18, I was living in Orlando. School was not for me. And I moved to West Palm Beach, Florida, to join a band called Dang We're on Fire. (laughs) Another ridiculous name. Looked on MySpace. I was like, you know, school's not for me. What can I do? I love music. I was a drummer at the time. And I moved down to West Palm Beach because I had found on MySpace a band looking for a lead singer. Mm -hmm. And I said, I can do this. So never sang in my life, but moved down, uh, joined the band. We developed a lot of traction and started getting some buzz. We played some songs on MTV and E!, Jersey Shore, I Used to Be Fat, uh, RJ Burger, shows like that, which obviously are very popular. Mm-hmm. So, how, how did you get on those shows? We signed a terrible record deal. <laughs> and yeah. As punishment, you're on these shows. Yeah, that was the best. That was the outcome. But then we found ourselves in like Chicago sitting in our, in our bus 
with no contact to our direct label, all the shows fell apart and we were funding everything ourselves at the time. So again, a bad record deal. Wow. So long story short, the band went well. We needed a guitar player and Greg, the drummer and kind of the leader of the band at the time, uh, alongside myself, said, we need a guitar player. My brother is an awesome guitar player, but I will warn you, he's 13 years old. And I said, screw it. Let's, you know, let's go. If he's a good guitar player, that's what we need. And he's family. So we know he's not going anywhere. So Nick joined the band. He switched over to online school and joined the band. And that was kind of the start of the journey for Nick and I. So we toured nationally for about three, four years, carried on that progress. And I'd say came pretty close to making it big. Mm -hmm. We had about 90,000 fans on the internet, which back in 2011, for an unsigned act, is pretty big. Yeah, yeah. that's great. We had, a, we had a pretty large reach. And we're very active in playing shows and social media and so on and so forth. But so long story short, we came together. The band kind of had a falling out due to, I think, a lot of us growing up and having different um, artistic visions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bands are kind of like relationships, too. They're worse than relationships. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, we, so, you know, we had a following out, a falling out and Nick and I, came together and just said, well, let's keep this going. Because at the time, he and I were, were very uh, connected. We were both lead guitar players, rhythm guitar players, lead vocalists, and, and we uh, were backup singers as mm-hmm. well. So we kept it going. We've done probably eight projects since then. And none of them really... What we did, what we have accomplished in that time is that we've written a vault of songs that we can now pull from. They've inspired us. They've taught us. They've you know, made us grow as musicians and songwriters. Wow, that's impressive. So the song we have today, Why So Serious, is your style going to be evolving as we go down the road? It's going to be a little bit different than what we're hearing today? Yeah, I mean, Nick and I will always have a pop aspect to our music. We are pop musicians. And whether you look at that as a good thing or a bad thing, I think pop is changing. I think at a plain view, pop means popular. I think that a lot of the times we hear things on the radio right now and think pop, and that's not exactly what musicians are thinking in their head when they're creating or labeling a genre of music they're creating. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the style will be evolving. It will always be evolving. Mm-hmm. We will probably lose a little bit of the cringiness or those bad words we were talking about <laughs> earlier, you know, the profanity. Yeah. We'll always keep a little bit of edge and... You know, I hate to say this word, but it's so relatable. Swag. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, people know that. And it's what we don't want to be is the Backstreet Boys. We don't want to be cookie cutter, dressed in the same outfits, doing dances on stage with microphones in our hands. We are musicians. We do play guitar. We play piano. We produce our own music, record our own music, mix our own music. It's all DIY. You're not just pretty boys. Exactly. But we are. <laughs> but, but you are. But yes. You are, yes. This is true. He is a very good looking mannequin, a test. <laughs> Thank so, you. Why so serious? Seems like it's about like, just chill and let's have sex. Yeah, it, that's yeah. <laughs> let's have sex. Let's have fun. Let's here's something relatable to the podcast. Let's go out and eat and enjoy our life and you know yeah. and just let's be. Yeah. And there's so much going on in the world right now. You know, I just attended a conference actually, and it was so well said. The guy said or the speaker said, "We try to compete with technology, and we will never win." Our phones are faster than we are. Our computers are faster than we are. We'll, we will never win. Slow down and just be. And that's something that all of us, we fail to do mm-hmm. so often. Yeah, that's actually been something I, I would say all the time. I wanted 
learn how to just be. So yeah, I get that completely. Yeah, yeah it's cool. It's a good song. We're going to hear it in a moment, but first, Lori has some questions for you. Great. All right, I'm going to hit you with the Fast Five foodie questions. Let's Are go. Are you ready? All right. <laughs> What's your favorite food? Tacos. What's your favorite restaurant in St. Pete? Lately, I have been... So I think that there's... You know, I, I'm going to preface this with there's there's a there's different experiences that we can go out to eat looking for. You know, if I want a five course meal, I can give you a restaurant like that. If I want a quick grab and go, I can give you that. Lately, my favorite restaurant in St. Pete that I've been dining at the most is Eleven Chicks. Nice. Yeah, we just had uh, food from there last week for the first time. It was excellent. It's amazing. The I think that arepas. The, yes, yeah. and I haven't. I've actually I haven't had their arepas yet. I keep, I'm stuck on, you know, when you go to a restaurant mm-hmm. and you have a great experience, that's all you get. You go back for more. I'm stuck on the Venezuelan bowl. Um, it was actually a recommendation from a barista at Squeezed. Mm-hmm. And she told me, you have to go and get the Venezuelan bowl. And I think she's a vegetarian. And she's like, sub out the meat for egg. And I was just like, you know what? I'll try it. So I went down there and I did it. And it's just incredible. I think the quality with the flavor and the style, at the same time, it's inexpensive, but you're getting your bang for your buck. It's, they nailed it. Have you tried it with the meat as well? Not yet. I was tempted today, actually. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I just, I just went there today. <laughs> okay. Salt or pepper? Definitely pepper. Cilantro. Love it or it tastes like soap? Soap. I am one of the people that I just can't do it. That's funny that... That's why this question's in That's here. a great question. But tacos are your favorite food. Exactly. So you got to be careful. So it's, a, it's a struggle, right? It's a big struggle because you don't want to walk into a Mexican or Venezuelan right. or South American restaurant and say no cilantro. Right. You know, right. That's like walking I, in, I do. Yeah. I have to. <laughs> it's like walking into Italy saying no cheese. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like good luck. <laughs> okay. And can you cook? I can. And I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you consider yourself a good cook? I do. What do you cook? <laughs> I love cooking pasta. Italian. My, my family's Italian. So, you know, I cook a lot of Italian food. Uh, I just made a homemade pizza last mm-hmm. week for the first time with, you know, fresh nice. dough and everything. I went to Mazzaro's actually and bought their mozzarella, which is probably the key ingredient. Right. Agreed. Anything you buy from there, really. Yes. Yeah, I, I love cooking Italian food. I do love cooking tacos at home. Mm-hmm. Probably the most of what I cook. Okay, Great. so now we just have to find out where you live. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you that after we shut off the microphones. <laughs> well, you all already told us about your, your song, Why So Serious. So let's hear it. Thanks, Ant. Thanks for coming in. Yes, I appreciate thank it. Thank you for having me. Out late looking for my girl last night. She ran away. Don't want to fight. It's my fault, man, I just think too much Hey, all the things you say, they all make sense But I really think you should put them to rest When tomorrow comes, your problems go away It's up to you to make it all feel right Can't let it get to you You gotta, you gotta just breathe It doesn't have to be so serious you'll see pleasure comes for free
bills are up, bills are due. Gotta get out, gotta stop making moves. Man, it feels the world is crashing down. The things you say all make sense. Come on, man, you're bigger than this. Now it's time for you to turn it around, yeah. It's up to you to make it all feel right. You gotta just breathe. It doesn't have to be so serious. So Once again, that was Purple Drapes with Why So Serious. We were feeling like Asian street food for lunch today, so we ordered up some hawkers. I got one of my favorites that I get almost, not all the time, but I get it a lot, the curry laksa. It's a coconut curry stew that has shrimp, chicken, fried tofu, that's the best way to eat tofu, by the way, wheat noodles, bean sprouts, yo choy, that's like you have a friend named Troy and go, yo choy, fried shallots. (laughs) And hard-boiled egg, and it is just so good. It's, it's nice and spicy. It's not super spicy, but it's a, it's a good amount of spice to it and just has su- such amazing flavors, and all those ingredients combined are awesome. Well, keep in mind, Kevin's idea of spicy is very different from most people. He can really tolerate spice better than most. I have so many favorites at Hawker's. It's really hard for me to, uh, to decide what to order. I love their pad thai. I love their beef how fun. I ordered up the kimchi fried rice, which is one of my absolute favorite dishes from there. I love kimchi just in general. It's a really simple dish of fried rice with kimchi, steak, egg, and onion, and that's really it, but it tastes so good. I put spicy on the order, delivery instructions, and boy, did it come out spicy. Our Lunchbox segment is where we read opinions and answer questions from our listeners. Please email us at lunchbox at stpetersburgfoodies.com with your opinions, feedback, and questions to be featured in this segment. This is Andy J. from Red Mesa, and you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. This episode's tip of the week is on napkins. If you're at a place that has paper napkins, you can probably just uh, not worry about any of this stuff. But anywhere you go that has cloth napkins, the first thing you're supposed to do when you sit down is put your napkin on your lap. That's number one. If you need to excuse yourself, another etiquette thing, you just say, excuse me. You don't say, I have to go make a phone call or I have to go to the bathroom or whatever. You just say, excuse me, and you get up. And previous etiquette books that I read said that you don't put your napkin on the table because once the napkin has been put into your lap, 
it's considered not to be 100% clean anymore, especially if you've wiped your mouth or your hands with it. You don't put a dirty napkin on the table until the very end of the meal. When everyone is done and everything's done, then it goes on the table. So if you have to excuse yourself, where does it go? Well, according to the older books, they said to put it on your seat, on your chair. And then I would do that. I would come back from the restroom and find it neatly folded and put back on the table. I'm like, hey, that's breaking that rule. What's going on with this? Then I had asked a few places and was told that, no, you shouldn't do that. We know that doesn't go back on the table. But do you really want to put it on your chair where your butt's been sitting for so long and, who, and a whole bunch of other people have sat there? So the solution is you put it over the back of your chair. Thank you for listening. Thanks to our guests. And thanks to our sponsors. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News. And our intro music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes or any other podcast app, please give us a rating. And also remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold. Um, yes, I know it's a little late, but is it possible to reserve a table for 2 at 8 or 8.30, perhaps?